Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Now, we're going to be continuing um, looking at the story from the perspective of Moses and Aaron, not so much, but Pharaoh, the children of Israel, uh, the wise men and sorcerers of the Egyptian court, and, and to a larger extent tonight, the people of Egypt. And we're going to begin with uh, the chapter 11, starting with the first verse. And the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will surely drive you out of here altogether. Speak now in the hearing of the people and let every man ask of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor articles of silver and articles of gold. And the Lord gave the people favor in sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt and in the sight of Moses, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. Seems like an odd way to start, doesn't it? So I want you to go and ask the Egyptians for money you children of Israel who are slaves. But it does make sense. First of all, consider that the children of Israel were slaves at this point. How can you pack for a trip if you don't have anything to pack? I mean, when I pack for a trip, I pull out a suitcase, maybe two. I have a list, and I pack everything I need, clothing, toiletries, documents, uh, electronics, and then um, my wife, Sue, will ask me if I've packed particular things because she's afraid that I missed something. And, and um, in, in many marriages, you have one spouse asking the other, did you pack this? Did you pack that? In my household, that would be Sue asking me. And they couldn't do that because they didn't have much. They were slaves. And they were going to be leaving soon. One thing you would take on a trip is money, or at least back then, maybe not so much money in coin, but gold, silver, whether in the form of a, uh, a solid piece or of jewelry, it had some value. And the Egyptians were more than willing to help out because they were terrified. There were 11 plagues that had come across uh, their country, one after the other after the other. Uh, the river turning into blood and all the surrounding water. And frogs, which is either really comical and funny or really terrifying, depending on what you think about frogs, uh, all over the place and then dying. And then you had dead frogs all over the place. And, and then you had the, the, the bugs and the sores, and, and the, the cattle dying of disease, and the hail, and, and the darkness. So after everything else that had happened, it's so dark that 
you're guided by smell sometimes because you, you're bumping into dead things. It, it's, it had to have been horrible. Um, and they knew by this point that the God of the children of Israel was associated with it. And you know, if it's me, that somebody comes to my door knocking politely and say, could you, know, could you help me out with some money? I'm going to give them whatever they want because I don't want anything else to happen to me. So that's what happened here. And, and certainly if, if the God of Israel was thought of as great, then Moses, who's the mouthpiece of the God of Israel as far as the Egyptians are concerned, was considered very great in Egypt as well. Uh, picking up from four to six, then Moses said, Thus says the Lord, about midnight I will go out into the midst of Egypt and all of the firstborn of the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the female servant who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the animals. And there shall be such a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as was not like before, nor shall it be like it again. When I, when I heard the story when I was young, it's like, oh, you know, okay, that's one more thing that happened. Not really understanding how horrible this is. I've read um, some who thought that the God of Israel seemed such a terrible God to do such horrible things to the Egyptian people who didn't seem to deserve it. But let's think about that. Because in, in the Bible, God has spoken of judgment of, of many nations. And some of those nations don't exist anymore. Amalek, Moab, Edom, Midian, the Babylonian Empire, the Assyrian Empire. And there are ethnic Assyrians in the world today, but there, there has not been an empire of Assyria since the one that was conquered by the Babylonians. Um, the, the Persian Empire ceased to exist as an empire, but that was really more of a, a group of a lot of different uh, people together. Um, but it, it ceased to exist. Um, Egypt is still here. So in a way, God pronounced judgment on Egypt, but Egypt still existed as an empire back then and exists as a country today. Um, I had mentioned before that the time from the time that um, the tribes of Israel came into Egypt to live, thanks to Joseph, and thanks to God setting it up so Joseph was in a position to bring them in and give them land, it was close to 400 years. It's a good way to think about it is... Uh, back to the time of the Mayflower, okay? How long does it take for people living in a country to be assimilated into a country? Well, okay, I have ancestors that do go back to the Mayflower, 
I only found out a couple of years ago, I, I feel like a party crasher because I don't associate myself with people who come from over on the Mayflower. Um, my wife is Italian and um, only two or three generations have been uh, in the United States of her people, but she is completely assimilated. Maybe other groups of people, maybe it takes three, four, five generations. But really, almost 400 years and no assimilation? Because the Egyptians didn't want it. It's because they had such a worldview that was built on a pantheon of gods and a, a national pride and an ethnic pride that they were the most advanced people that they knew and that other people, well, they weren't quite human. And the Pharaoh was a representation of gods on earth. So it didn't matter how many generations the children of Israel or anybody else coming in from outside of Egypt came into their country, they were not going to be Egyptians. It wasn't going to happen. What did happen? Well, we know. At first, and I'm going to allude to it later on here, um, the infants, male infants, were uh, killed. They wanted to kill them. We read about that earlier. We would call that now institutionalized genocide. And later on, they enslaved a group of people that had been freely living within their borders for hundreds of years and put them to work doing the hard jobs of construction as slaves. So they enslaved the people within their borders. You know, those are the things today that we would consider to be barbaric. Those are the things today that... Uh, they would speak about in the United Nations and maybe even take action. And the Egyptian people allowed it to happen. So, um, in some ways, God's judged other nations, and, and Egypt is still around. God's been merciful. He did his judgment in such a way, or he's doing it in such a way that... Um, the Egyptians are going to know that they're judged and it's really going to hurt and they're going to remember it. But um, at the same time, uh, he's allowing Egypt to exist. 11, 7 to 8. But against none of the children of Israel shall a dog move its tongue against man or beast that you may know that the Lord does make a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. And all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, and all the people who follow you. And after that, I will go out. Then he went out from Pharaoh in great anger. You might recall earlier that uh, Pharaoh was angry at Moses. Now the tables have turned. Verses 9 and 10. But the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not heed you, so that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. So Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, 
and he did not let the children of Israel go out of his land. And he's pretty much it, but he's the most important one. We already know from um, previous chapters that the court felt that this was the the God of Israel moving and the finger of God, they called it, for some of these other plagues that had afflicted the Egyptians. And they were quite willing to have the Israelites leave, but not Pharaoh. The Bible doesn't explain what's going on in his head. The Bible does say that God hardened his heart, but it was hard to begin with. Maybe he, my guess, and this is an opinion, is that he thought himself to be God's representation on earth to the Egyptian people, that he was doing battle with the God of Israel himself, and that he wasn't going to give in, even if the people gave in, even if the court gave in, even if the magicians gave, gave in, he was not going to give in. He was not going to let the God of Israel win. That's my guess. And uh, why did the Egyptians deserve the last plague? I I covered these, some of these, refusal to accept the Israelites as Egyptians after 400 years, the acceptance of institutionalized genocide, because that's what they would call it today, the acceptance of institutionalized enslavement, they would call that today. When you have a part of the government whose job it is to keep track of the slaves that are doing construction, that's institutionalized enslavement. And, and in spite of what was happening, we don't see any of the Egyptians here um, turning to God themselves. And now we're going to go into Exodus 12, 1 to 4. Now the Lord said, spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Speak to all of the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for the household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of persons, according to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. The lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now, you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs shall they eat it. Now, for the first time, the children of Israel are getting specific instructions on what to do. And we're going to see that this is something that they're going to do every year to remember what God is doing for them now. 
Again, when I was a kid, I didn't think about it very much when they say, okay, we're going to take the blood, we're going to put it in the bowl and put it on the lintel, that'll be the top of the door, and then on the left and on the right. I think about it now and I'm thinking, oh, that's gross. And, and this might have been back then in ancient times, but it was gross back then too. People didn't do that. And they were going to do this weird thing with the blood here, there, and there. But they were required to do it, and, and it was part of God's plan. Exodus 12, 9 to 11, talking about the, the, uh, the meat. Do not eat it raw, nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire, its head and its legs and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire, and thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and a staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It's the Lord's Passover. I read that there was one pastor, he was talking about this, and he said, well, it's kind of like eating in an airport. Has anybody had a meal in an airport before they had to get on a plane? I remember I went, we, we went to, uh, last year to Jamaica, and it was uh, me and Sue and Tabitha and Christine and, and Sue's parents. And we had a meal before we got on the plane to fly there, and, and it was a production. We were all laying out our stuff. We couldn't, like, pack it too much because we were going to pick up and leave after that. So we set everything up. We got the food. It was all very organized. And then we made sure everyone had a spot, and if somebody didn't have a spot, we'd just, they'd wait. And we ate it, and we had to get done within a certain amount of time because we had to catch the flight. And in the same way here, they were leaving. They had to eat fast. They didn't have time to properly butcher the goat. They had to cook it quickly. And, and God said, yeah, he said, first he said roast it, and then he said, yeah, by roasting it, I mean you're not going to eat it raw, and don't boil it, but you're going to roast it. And no, you're not going to butcher it like you normally would. You're going to leave everything in it, and you're going to eat it that way. And then whatever you don't eat, you burn, because you're going to be leaving. Exodus 12, 12 to 13. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and will strike all the firstborn, in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So, God wasn't just saying, you know, I'm going to kill, a, there's a firstborn's going to die in every household of the Egyptians, but not of the Israelites. It doesn't stop there. It's, okay, children of Israel, you're going to follow my instructions, and if you follow my instructions, you will live. And if you don't, then you'll lose the firstborn. Kind of like salvation. You can, you can believe, kind of. I mean, I could stand there back then and say, oh, you know, I believe I could put the 
blood on the door, but you know, my brother's doing it, my parents are doing it, I, I don't think I really need to do it. So I'm not going, it's kind of gross, I, don't, I, I know we're leaving, but still, I'm not gonna do it. I don't think that happened. But you know, we live in a day now, it's like, yeah, I believe in Jesus. But, you know, no, I don't believe him like you guys do. Um, no, I'm not, I don't, don't believe like that. But, you know, I think he's, he's a great teacher. Um, and people who believe like that aren't going to see God, except in judgment. It's kind of funny, you take the blood and it's like up and then over. It's kind of like a cross, isn't it? And that's something familiar. I've, I've heard that when I heard the story when I was young, uh, that's something they would always remind me of, that that's the cross. Actually, there's an old song that we used to sing in church, um, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Uh, anybody know that song other than me? No? no? If Norma were here, she'd know it, but she's traveling. Exodus 12, 14 to 16, we're going to continue. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses, and whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day, there shall be a holy convocation, and on the seventh day, there shall be a holy convocation for you. No manner of work shall be done on them, but that which everyone must eat, that only may be prepared by you. So we're adding a few things here. Uh, holy days where no work can be performed except for the preparation of food. Leaven, which is yeast, having to be removed from all the houses. And, and pretty severe consequences that people who keep yeast in their households and make bread with yeast get cut off. God's really taking this seriously. Exodus 12, 17 to 18. So you shall observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread, for on this same day I will have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as an everlasting ordinance. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month, at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. Exodus 12, 19 to 20. For seven days no leaven shall be found in your houses, since whoever eats what is leaven, that person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a stranger or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwellings you shall eat unleavened bread. You know, I don't know that there were a lot of literate people during this time. And one way you can remember something is to have an event every year with um, 
foods that are symbolic and remind you of things, and a story that is a reminder to the people of what happened, what God did for them. And, and with some rules, everyone had to follow, even people who were um, from another country, but they were there during that time. They couldn't have, just because they weren't um, Jewish didn't mean that uh, they, could, they were exempt. They had to follow the same rules. Exodus 12, 21 to 22. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. Then you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of this house until morning. So it's the beginning of law for Israel. Something that they had to do. And the first time they had to do it, if they didn't do it, the consequences were severe. Exodus 12, 23 to 25. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, he will pass over the door, and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses and strike you. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. It will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as he has promised, that you shall keep this service. And 26 to 28. And it shall be when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? That you shall say, it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of Israel in Egypt and he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the children of Israel went away and did so just as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron so they did. And this is going to be a new chapter for the children of Israel as they begin a journey, not only of distance, but of becoming a nation, becoming a nation that God has chosen, becoming a nation that God has chosen and from whom will come somebody who's fully God and fully man and be the savior of the world, be the savior of all who would believe. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.